Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. As Jacob said, we're in a series called Giving Your Best. Probably all of us would look in the mirror and say, I, I really don't know I've give, if I've given my best in marriage, as a dad, as a mom, as a business owner or an employee or employer. Have I given Jesus my best? I, I'm sure all of us would look in the mirror and say, no, I haven't quite given my best. In fact, I love what Jesus said in reply kind of to that kind of thinking you know what he said? You have been faithful in a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. How's that for encouragement when you think, oh, I have not given my best. But nevertheless, as a coach or a pastor or a dad or mom or a teacher, you still want to compel your students, your children, and God's kids to give their best. Last week, we talked about giving our best talent through the gift that the Holy Spirit has given every single believer, and through that gift, you do your work unto the Lord. Remember us talking about that last week? If you missed it, you can go online and discover how you can use that gift in your work for the glory of God. This week, we're talking about giving your best with your treasure. Uh-oh. Now, did you bring your steel-toed shoes here this morning? Because the word of God may stomp on them a little bit this morning. You need to come with an open hand. And that's the title of this morning's message. Giving your best means all hands open. And some give and some don't. And when they don't, it makes the work a lot harder. It's like talent. If only... 20% of the people do 80% of the work in the church or on your job. They will give you 80% of your return, but yet 80% of the people are doing only 20% of the work. Same with giving. I want to start off with a, a picture of uh, Corey Ten Boone. And uh, I, I've mentioned her quite a few times over the years. And I want to start off with this statement from her that she has made. By the way, she was a Christian in Germany, and she was um, hiding the Jewish people and finally got caught and was sent to concentration camps. And uh, finally she escaped, or actually they made a mistake, and she was set free, and the very next day all the people that she was with went to the gas chambers. That's a whole story that is told in a book called The Hiding Place, as well as a, a movie, The Hiding Place. Here's something that she said that I really like to expound on. She taught us, and I've said this to you before, don't hold your hands so tightly that God has to pry your fingers loose to get at what is already his. Amen? Amen. She communicated that to us. Well, I want to remind you that money can keep us from having a relationship with God or the lack of money or the pursuit of money. Remember, the rich man came to Jesus, and he said, I've kept all your commandments. I've done everything you've told me to do. That's a lie. 
And Jesus said, go sell all that you have and then follow me. And he left very sad because he did not want to depart with his money. And a lot of people have a hard time departing with their money. Let me give you the text this morning. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Is Proverbs good for us today or is it just good for then? Is it good for today? Can you say amen? Amen. Okay. So here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor. Okay. We were talking about worship. I, th- I thought about this. We, we sing to the Lord. Does it cost you anything to sing? Maybe some breath. You show up. Maybe it costs you some gas money to get here. You sit down in a seat. You pray. But did it cost you anything? So have you really truly worshiped the Lord? Well, in Proverbs, he reminds us another great way to worship God. And that is honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Notice two key things. Honor the Lord with your wealth, and thus the title of this series, and the best, the best part of everything you produce. In a lot of translations, it says the best part of your income. Then he will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now, he's not just talking about financial things. He is talking about material wealth. But let me read another Proverbs 10, 22 to remind you there are other kind of riches that he wants to bless us with. In Proverbs 10, 22, the Lord said, the blessings of the Lord makes a person rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. Can you think with me for a moment those kinds of riches that God has given you and me? that the world doesn't know anything about? How about salvation? What kind of price tag would you put on salvation? What about forgiveness? What about grace and mercy? Those are the kind of gifts that the world doesn't put any value on, but the believers know the value of salvation, of mercy and forgiveness. Well, I want us to look at three things this morning. One, a practical way of looking at this whole thing of giving your best to the Lord by opening your hands. A practical way of understanding that everything belongs to God. Wow, that's a new concept. Everything that you and me have, including our bodies, belong to God. Now let me use a practical illustration of farmer. Think about a farmer, and of course I married into a a family that's, they're all farmers in Arkansas, and Cheryl's family, and, and siblings, and other people, they're all involved in farming. I think they farm about 15,000 acres, or somewhere around there. And we have a little teeny piece of that 60 acres that we get a little fruit from every year. So we know a little bit about farming. She knows a lot more about farming than I do, but I learned a little bit by being married and getting to know her family. And I think about starting with the very seed. Can I ask you a question this morning? Who owns that seed? Who gave us that seed? What about uh, the dirt in the ground? Who gave us the dirt? What about the sunshine that shines on that dirt and that seed? What about the rain? Who does that belong to? You see, the farmer forgets very easily that God owns everything. Who, by the way, does the multiplication? That seed that is genetically coded to, if you plant an apple tree, is it going to just produce one apple? It produces a bumper crop. 
So who is in charge of genetically coding that seed that it would grow, how tall it would grow, how wide it would get, how much fruit would be on the tree? That all belongs to God. It reminds me of that illustration that I heard a long time ago. This guy said, God, we've, we've advanced in science, so, so we don't need you anymore. We can now make man. God said, oh, is that, is that true? Okay. How would you like to have a contest to see who can make man the fastest? Sure, sure. I'll enter the contest, God. Show up at the beach tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. And so this guy shows up with God, and he says, on the count of three, uh, uh, <clears throat> I want us to begin. One, two, three. And the man scooped to get some dirt, and God slapped his hand and said, go get your own dirt. Do you see the point that God is making to you and me? Who does it belong to? Everything belongs to God. You see, our names may be on the title or the deed, but our ownership is only a temporary agreement. One day when our time is done here on earth, our property, our possessions, our money doesn't go with us. You might jot this down, this little scripture, Ecclesiastes 5, 15. The scripture teaches, naked a man comes from his mother's womb, and as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. When's the last time, again, you've seen a hurt pulling a U-Haul to the gravesite? God is communicating to you and me over and over and over again. It all belongs to me. In Philippians, he said, if you understand this, Philippians 4.19, he said, my God will meet all you're needed or all that you need according to his riches and glory. He said, look to him. And I could tell you some miracles, and you could tell me some miracles that have happened this year, business owners, churches, where God has met your needs when no one else could. He promises you that if you'll trust him with your money, your possessions. Even your time belongs to God. Now, how does that affect us? Are we to get rid of everything we owe? Move to a remote countryside and live a simple life? Is that what God is asking you and me to do? In Hebrews 2.10, he reminds us that it was right and proper that God who made everything for his glory. So everything that you see, everything that you own, he made for his own glory. To, to determine how we use something lies in what Jesus created for us. Knowing who is the source of all things shows us how to use all things. So if your car belongs to God, you can use your car. If someone else's car breaks down, you can loan it to them. You have a house. I always remember, I taught my family this. My house is God's. This place is God's. But my house is God's. So someone may knock on the door. I may invite someone in to stay there for a short period of time. You may do that. Remember, the Bible says you may be entertaining angels unawarely. So be sure to understand that that house, that title deed, your name may be on it, but belongs to God. If my house belongs to God, then I can use it for a small group. 
You can open up your home for people to have a Bible study. If God owns my wallet, I can use my money to provide for people in need and build his church. Hmm. Where do I get that from? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You want to jot that down? 1 Corinthians 9, 13 through 14. Don't you realize that God told those working in his temple to take for their own needs some of the food brought there as gifts to him? And those who work at the altar of God get a share of the food that is brought by those offering it to the Lord. In the same way, the Lord has given orders that those who preach the gospel should be supported by those who accept it. So those who listen should be giving to God so that the ministry of God continues. Remember, everything belongs to God and we get to share what belongs to him. Think about it now for a moment. One more practical line of thinking about everything belongs to him. If you say to yourself, this is my car, this is my home, this is my bank account, these are my things, this is my family, what, what happens in marriage? In marriage, it becomes, hopefully, our house, our car, our bank account. You don't know how many marriages that I've uh, done some counseling with where they have separate bank accounts that they're just headed for disaster. That's my account. That's my savings. That's my money. It becomes ours. What about God? So do we understand somewhat that when we marry, it belongs to two people? And so do you really understand that all things belong to God? So you got the point. Now you can leave. Everything you have belongs to God. Ask yourself, do I think that way? Do I behave that way? And do I act that way? Now I want to give you some scriptures, some passages, point number two, some passages that reinforce that it all belongs to God. Some passages that you'll think about, some passages that the Holy Spirit will remind you of. Let's just think about the heavens. When you look up at night, how much would you pay for a good atmosphere? And how much do you pay when you go to a certain place for that, that beautiful atmosphere, the beautiful settings at a hotel or a getaway or a honeymoon or a beautiful home or a beautiful scenery in a backyard? How much would you pay for that? The scripture tells us in Psalms 89, 11, the heavens are yours, what we enjoy every night free of charge. How many times do I hear, what a beautiful moon. Come out, come out, guys, look at the sky, look at the moon, look at the cloud, look at the color. Wow. We get to enjoy every day what belongs to God. And the earth, the scripture says, is yours, and everything in the world is yours. You created it all. What about this wisdom that professors have and that scholars have? Where did it come from? Or doctors have the so-called intellects, those who write books, and do research. Where did that come from? Do they, do they understand that that belongs to God also? Think about Daniel 2.20. Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. Tell that to Einstein and Hippocrates. Yes, yes, he gives you wisdom to do the job that you do. 
to write the papers that you write, to make the inventions that you make. He gave you the wisdom. All wisdom belongs to him. What about people? Exodus 9.5 reminds us that everybody on this planet belongs to him. These are just scriptures kind of nailing home to give God your best, open your hands, what already belongs to him, your understanding practically, hmm, I understand, I get it. Everything comes from you. Everything belongs to you. I need to think that way. Even people belong to God. Now, if you will obey me, he's telling Israel and children of God and believers in God, and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. He was saying that to Israel, but you and I know that the promise was given through Abraham and his seed, and you and me are a part of this blessing. It's not taking it out of context. So if you'll obey God, you'll obey Yahweh, Yeshua, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. I mean, everything belongs to God, Psalms 24, 1. Everything, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. Are you getting the idea? Do you understand? The big thing is this. Do you accept the fact that everything belongs to God? The world and all his people belong to him. So summing up about the heavens, Job 41, 11, Who has given me anything that I need to pay back? Everything under heaven is mine. So the question this morning is, do you truly worship God with everything you have? You see, my house, I understood as a homeowner that that house belongs to God. Our cars belong to God. Some of you have given away cars. Some of you loaned your cars. I just always remember everything that I had, and I taught my children that. Everything that we have is God's, and it is at his disposal. The only thing I told people in the church, your hands are off, is my wife. Hands off. What about food? Psalms 50. God said, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the whole world is mine and everything in it. Okay, now I'm going to hit home with a couple of people. How many fishermen I have in here? Any fishermen? No, too many fishermen. Okay. How about fish in the sea? All the beautiful things I used to do. Bass fishing, I've done some dolphin fishing, I've done crab fishing, and some of you like to go under the sea. Well, guess what the Bible says about that? The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands that formed the dry land. So remember, fishermen, next time you go out there and go fishing, remember that it all belongs to him. The fish and the sea belong to him, those who love the water. How about the fowl and birds? I remember the first time I went hunting on a farm, and uh, I told the story where I, I was going duck hunting, and then I I hit one of those geese up in the air. They were just flying. They know how to fly just far enough out of your shotgun range. But I hit one. I wounded it. It fell right down in front of me. I go, what do I do? The thing was flopping around. So I took the butt of my shotgun and I banged that thing. I beat it up until it finally went dead. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to blow its brains out. 
The only thing I knew in Detroit, Michigan, where I was raised, you beat the snot out of someone, so I beat the snot out of that goose. And they're all looking out the window. Shira's family, what, what's wrong with this guy? I didn't, know how to, I didn't know how to wring his neck. That's my first killing, legally. What about turkey? You hunters out here. How many hunters we have out here? Raise your hand. No hunters? A few hunters? Okay. Next time you go hunt, remember. The turkey, the deer, the cows, the pigs, they all belong to God. Psalms 50, 11. For all the animals of the forest are mine. How much you pay to go hunting on someone's piece of land? It belongs to God. He said, all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. The next time you cut into a nice piece of beef, steak, remember, it belongs to God. How about your body? You know, the women's lib movement, and they did some things good, but some things they don't quite understand. Their body does not belong to them. Do you agree? Amen? Can I hear amen? This is not a politically correct crowd. Remember that. Your body does not belong to you. Okay? Write this down. Hebrews 2.10. Everything belongs to God. I think we're getting that point by now. Everything belongs to God. And all things were created by his power. So God did the right thing when he made Jesus perfect by suffering. As Jesus led many of God's children to be saved... And to share his glory, Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. We're making progress now. Jesus died for you. He purchased you with his blood. You belong to him. But then 1 Corinthians 6, 19 elaborates a little bit further on it. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who was given to you by God. Here's the punchline. You do not belong to yourself. Your body belongs to God. And God tells you how to use your body for him in the act of worship. In Romans 12:1. you know that. Many of you know this by heart. Therefore, since you understand everything belongs to him, food, your body. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters who worship me, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is, this is your spiritual act of worship. Yes, you can come and sing, and, and God is pleased with that, especially if your heart is into it and your head is into it. But you know you can sit there and go through the motions and just sing along. I know this morning I stopped singing and I was praising God and I was worshiping God with different words this morning as I stood up front praising God and raising my hands. But if you can just go through the motions and sing and not even think and meditate, remember he's receiving your praise. Your body is an offering unto the Lord. Are you using your body to worship God? Now we get to the good part about money, especially the tithe. Leviticus 27.30. Thus all the tithe of the land and the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. 
Remember, the next time you and me think of keeping what is God's, remember, it belongs to him. So my final part this morning is this. Here's a personal way to worship God with your material wealth. This is another way to worship God. So you understand the practical application that all belongs to him. We've looked at scripture over and over again. We understand clearly. You take for granted this. The world doesn't understand it. It all belongs to him. Now, how do we worship God with material wealth? Back to the passage that we started with. Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Or it can read this way, and it does in many translations. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of your income. Then your barns will be filled with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. So God, yes, wants access to your cash. Yes, God wants access to your cash. Not the pastor necessarily. God wants access to what belongs to him. He wants that in circulation. Proverbs 11 reminds us of this. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Now, this is not a name it and claim it church. This is not a prosperity gospel church. We don't even take up an offering here. We trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and you will be faithful with the things you have heard and the things that you've read. But many have taken this out of context. But it is true. It is true, Proverbs teaches. Give freely. You want to become more wealthy? You're not arguing with me or some pastor who's trying to get your money. This is what the scripture teaches. You want to become more wealthy? Give freely. Be stingy and lose everything. Be generous, you will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It is a truth. Let God be faithful to his word. If you don't believe this, then how can you believe what the scripture teaches about? For all who call on the Lord shall be saved. Is that really true, God? Is it true, saints? Yes. So that makes this true. Now, we sang about giving with an open hand. The title of this morning's message is given, giving with an open hand. If you have a problem with tithing or giving, remember, we've already established it all belongs to God, not just the tenth that you give to God, but you and me will stand before God. We preached on this a couple weeks ago, that the talent that you have, the 90% or 80% or 85% that you have, also belongs to God too, how you spend it, how you use it. So when you decide to say to yourself, this is not God's, that tenth, or giving back a portion to God as an act of worship. Can I tell you something this morning, saint? It may be news to you. You, you know you come to this church, right? Because you know I teach the truth, amen? Can I hear amen? You, you know we don't hold back, okay? And I do get a little quieter when I teach the truth and I hit home, especially with sins because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you know what God calls you if you do not give and you do not give generously? A thief. Where, where do you get that from? Malachi chapter 3. 
Malachi 3. Now, he is speaking to Israel. We understand that in context. But these are truths that transcend the culture and the time. He said to them, they were arguing about why God wasn't blessing them. Maybe some of us are arguing why we feel that God is not blessing America right now. Maybe some of you feel that way. Where are you, God? Why are you letting evil just run rampant? Why are the crops not growing? Why do I not have enough in my barns or in my bank account? Malachi 3, God answers the, the Jewish people with this. He said, ever since your days of your ancestors, see, he's going way back, back, way back, back, before the law, you have scorned my decrees, the Ten Commandments and the laws, and you failed to obey them. So he's, he's going to bring out something of the law that they failed to do. Remember, Jesus said, if you fail in one way, you failed in them all. He said, now return to me. You know how we preach repentance and return to God. He said, return to me, Israel. Saints, return to me. You've departed from me. And he said, if you return to me, I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. This is Malachi 3, 7 through 8. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? You say, God, I've never left you. I've, I've believed in you since I've been a little child. He said, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. <laughs> but the people of Israel said, but, but how? What do you mean? Have we cheated you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due my name. One way back to God is through repentance and through repenting of God, I have claimed this as my own and I've not let you have at it because I have a lot of phobias in my brains and my mind because of churches and pastors and or really, really because of the evilness of my heart. Remember, I told you 20% of the people in the churches in the land give 80% of the resources in the church to support missions and missionaries and the work of God. So when you and me withhold from God, we're stealing from God. Remember, we all agree it belongs to him, our bodies, our cars, and yes, money. But he lets us use it to bring glory to his name, and you and me will one day stand and give an account for how we used 100% of the money. But the saints that come to church and love God and they do not give, or they give only a small portion of their wealth, you will give an account for that before holy God who gave you everything. Remember, he said, to bring your material wealth to worship God. See, this costs you something. To sing, it doesn't really cost you anything. Where did we get this from? You remember Adam and Eve in the garden as we kind of wrap things up? Remember in the garden, everything was perfect, but then they sinned against God, and then God slayed an animal and covered their skin with the animal's skin, reminding them of the future Christ that would come and die on a cross and be buried and rise again, and this blood would atone for their rebellion against God. They taught their first two kids this truth, Cain and Abel. Many of you who've read in the first three or four chapters of the book of Genesis recall the story where Cain and Abel came bringing an offering to God. Why were they bringing an offering? God doesn't need anything. The first act of worship in the Bible is that we, that is recorded, that we see is what? 
Is it singing? Is it reading? The first act of worship in the Bible is somebody, Cain and Abel, worshiping God with material wealth. So here's Abel taking care of the animals and Cain's taking care of the crops. They come worshiping God. There's no preacher around. There's no temple around. And they put some stones together and Abel offered up to God what was already his, an animal sacrifice. You see, those things were wealth. That was the silver and gold of that day. And they offered it up to God. And Cain offered up crops to God. And rather than get in a big theological debate about why God rejected his, his offering, I will at least tell you this. He rejected his offering because of the condition of his heart. Let me give you one illustration of that and to prove my point or to prove God's point. He said, how can you come and give online or give in an offering on, on the way out or give on your app and yet you don't love your brother that's sitting next to you or you're angry or you've not asked forgiveness or nor have you given forgiveness. And God said this, before you come to the altar and you give your offering, Go get right with your brother. I don't want your money. I don't want the animals. And so remember, you can still give. And throughout my life as a pastor, since 1986 as a full-time pastor, I've seen some of the wickedest people give in the offering plates and have no love for God. So you can be like Cain and give an offering to God, but if your heart is not right with God, he will not accept your offering. We saw the condition of his heart when not too much later, he killed his brother Abel. And we have the first murder in the word of God because he was jealous of how God honored his, his offering. So remember, it belongs to God. Giving is God's plan for supporting what Jesus did when he died on the cross. We are his bride. Your giving reflects the condition of your heart, your spiritual act of worship. I can't imagine coming and singing and praying and not giving back to God. I've been giving back to God since 1976 at 20 years old when I was taught that Jesus was my Savior that he owned everything. Now, saints, you know I'm not bragging on this, but can you imagine what kind of bank account I have in heaven? Yeah, go ahead, giggle. <laughs> I like that giggle. And it's been gaining a lot of interest. Seek the kingdom of God first. Invest in the kingdom of God first. Now, some people may argue, as we finish ending our last point this morning, give generously. Some people may argue, well, God didn't really teach us in the New Testament about tithe. He didn't really say we had to give a tenth. And my line of argument would be that Cain and Abel looked forward to Jesus dying, and he did. We look backwards and understand what Jesus did. So my line of argument would be, should we give less? But even if, even if you win the argument, and, and I agree, hey, there's no such thing as giving a tenth anymore. Let's look at what the scripture does teach that we should give. Would you like to know? I remember my own brother who came and visited us at our church, first church in Alabama, 
After he visited, he left our home and he invited Jesus Christ in his heart. He didn't do it in front of me. He came home and he told me, I saw how your family lived and I invited Christ into my life. And then one day he asked me, how much should I give? How much should I give? Well, 2 Corinthians kind of helps you and me, even though the whole Bible is full of examples of what you should give, if you want to honor God. If you, notice I'm not giving, as a salesman, I could have been a good salesman and sold a lot of things. I did sell cars. I sold Kirby vacuum cleaners. But I'm not trying to be a salesman. I'm living what God taught you and me. But let me tell you what God did teach me, and I'm telling you. In 2 Corinthians 9, he said, each of you must decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Does this, does this church use pressure? You talk about pressure, you still getting pressure from the politicians to give? Oh my goodness, I get probably, no exaggeration, probably 30 emails a day to give. What about this time of the year when all the organizations, Christian organizations, are asking you to give it, um, an end-of-the-year gift? We don't use those tactics here, folks. You give because you love God. But let me read the scriptures that will reinforce what God wants you to give. So give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure because then you'll do it for a couple of weeks and you'll give up. Here, God loves a cheerful giver. No pressure from us from here. He wants us to give him our best as he has done for us. Has he given us our best? I think we may have a picture of baby Jesus up there, God giving us our best. For God so loved the whole world, he gave us his son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. He wants us to give him our best. And so thus our series on giving our best to the Lord, your talent and your treasure. But here's what many people do. I only had two little sad notes in this. One, right? One, some of us are thieves, that we don't give to God what belongs to him. One other note, some people don't give God their best. Thus the title of the series giving God our best with our talent and our treasure. Let me read one more passage from Malachi 1.8 about that. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, remember that was their wealth. That was their wealth. That was silver and gold. So they have all these wonderful animals. Pick one out for yourself. Would you buy that one? He said, would you, would you give blind animals as sacrifices? Isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong for you to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? God said, try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So when you go, well, let me pay all my bills and then let me think about what I'm going to give to God. Who are you putting first? Because you have not managed the other 80, 90 percent. Now you put God in the back seat and you give him your leftovers. Try giving your waiter or waitress or your son or your daughters waiting on a table and you go there and they watch you and you give them a 5% tip. How, how would you feel about them and how would your kids feel about them? Try giving God that and see how he feels. You see, the love of money or the lust for money or selfishness with money can be idol worship. Uh-oh. I want to remind you of this. It can be idol worship. In Colossians 
3, 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and, and greed, which is what? Idolatry. Many people will not go to heaven because of their hunger and thirst for money and the refusal to open up their hands to say, God, this is yours. He said it is idol worship. The absolute last passage, Luke 16. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest, we're dishonest if we don't give God back what is his, with very little will also be dishonest with much. I wouldn't trust a person that doesn't tithe or give. I wouldn't at all. Far as I could see, I wouldn't trust that person at all with my money or financial planning. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? We just talked about that early in the message, right? Forgiveness, eternal life, grace, mercy. And if you've been untrustworthy with someone else's property, that's God's, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It all belongs to God. Think of the farmer. It all belongs to him. Think of the heavens. Think of food. Think of the sea. Think of the fish. Think of your car. Think of your home. Think of your own bank account, your stock, your stocks, your gold, your silver. Even your children, I understand that even my kids belong to God. It was so hard for me, to, my, my wife and I, to give up Megan and JW to go to Texas. I remember the day JW told me, it was as someone put a dagger in my heart. He said, I'm leaving. And we were all prepared to have JW become the next pastor of this church. But immediately I understood, and I mean very, very quickly, I understood that it all belongs to God. God trusted us with, well, six kids. And our job and your job is to give back to God those children. To raise them up in the Lord. Teach them the things that you were just taught this morning about money at a young age. And they'll be very generous. Father, I know there's a lot of believers here today that love you and have been faithful to give to the house of God. Remind them we're doing our best as leaders to stay out of debt. We're not in debt as a church. And the, the skeptic out there, Father, like many of us were, why, why does God want my money or my tithe or my offering? I pray that you will water and fertilize the seeds that were spoken this morning from your truth. Remind them of the blessings on the other side. Remind them I didn't say they would become rich, Father. You didn't say that. You did say you'd take care of all of our needs. And you determine wealth from one person to the next. Help us not look at our neighbor what they have. We may not want to have what they have. So remind each one of us, you determine whether someone has 10, five, two, or one talent. Whether they have a million dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, or 50,000, or 40, or 30. Remind us of that. That we're not low on your totem pole if we make little.
Father, please remind every believer listening this morning. You told the apostles that little woman who went forth and gave a sort of penny, a mite, gave more than all the people threw into the offering plate. So you're sharing with all of us here that those who give very, very little from our eyes may be given all they have because you know their heart. Remind and encourage those believers that they're not low on the totem pole if they make little. They may not want a lot. They may not manage a lot. But they are precious in your sight. And they're investing in your kingdom and you see it and you are blessing them and you will bless them. Remind them of that. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.